We seriously are so glad you're here. This is week number three, if I'm right. Week number three. This is part two of our talk and tussle sermon. Uh, last week, we focused mainly on communication. This week, we're going to look at conflict. Um, we talked about how in communication, we need to focus on four things, right? First, we need to unite against the issue, whatever that issue is, whether it's our issue or our spouse's issue. We need to come together, get that issue out in front of us and unite against it. So we, we have a common enemy that we can come together and fight against. Uh, secondly, we talked about recognizing our own struggles with communication and working on those things, right? Uh, finding areas of weakness where you say, hey, I'm not so great here and I know that if I improve, it's going to help us both out. We also said that we need to work uh, to seek to understand what our spouse is looking for in communication. We talked about logical communication versus emotional, right? Logical looking for information, emotional looking for affirmation. And then lastly, we said that we want to make sure that our communication, right? We want to ensure that our communication serves a purpose. Well, as I said, today we're going to be focusing mainly on the conflict side of things. Uh, And when conflict arises, I want us to work or work from two principles found in scripture, okay? The first principle is found in Philippians 2, 3 through 4. You can follow along on the screen. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, we have a live event in there that you can follow along. It has all the main points of the sermon and the two scriptures that we're going to be looking at today. But we're going to focus on these two principles, both found in scripture. The first, Philippians 2, 3 through 4, says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. It's pretty self-explanatory, right? If we can apply this principle to our relationships with our spouses, really our relationships with anybody, you can say, hey, I'm not married, or I may never be married, or I was once married, or this applies to all relationships, right? If you have any type of relationship in your life, these principles about communication will serve you well. Okay, so first and foremost, if we can apply this principle where we don't look to our own interests, but we put the other person's interests in front of our own, This will automatically make our conflict that much more beneficial, right? Why is conflict arising? What is the issue that the other person has? If I can look at it from their perspective and appreciate where they're coming from, whether I necessarily agree with it or not, I can start to work towards a resolution. Oftentimes, we don't get to that place. We don't get to uh, resolution because we're only looking out for the old number one right? I came to the table with this idea, with this thought. This is how I feel, and, and I need to be validated, and I want to be right, and, and I, I'm correct, and you're going to see it from my side, or this house is going to go down in flames, right? And when you approach conflict that way, usually the house either goes down in flames, or uh, we just absolutely get nowhere, okay? So that's principle number one. Principle number two states, in your anger, here's the hard one, you ready for, you guys are going to love this, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. My mom always used to give us advice before Jerrica and I got married. One of the things she would always tell me is, um, she'd say, never go to, never go to bed angry. And I was like, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. And then uh, it took me a while to realize that was based on scripture. And I was like, sorry, Lord. Right. (laughs) But if, if we can approach life with this principle. Hey, when we have an issue, we're not going to go to bed and let that roll over into another day. Maybe occasionally we have to take a break. We need to table it, but we are going to try to address this issue before um, it becomes just a a nuclear explosion. And when we're angry, we are not going to sin. Okay. We're not going to sin. We are going to get angry. Okay. Be angry. You probably deserve to be angry but do not sin in your anger. All that does is compound the problem, 
okay? It takes something that we could have left um, at, at ant-sized hill and turns it into a rocky-sized mountain, okay? We want to try to avoid sinning out of our anger. Well, you made me angry, and so now I'm going to sin against you. I'm going to bring forward accusations, whether they're true or not. I'm just going to be mad. I'm going to get this all out of here again. That's that. I'm going to fight. I'm going to win. I'm going to... And that gets us nowhere in conflict, okay? That gets us nowhere in conflict. We don't want to do that. The hard part is not sinning in your anger. We all know that. It's, it's a struggle. But what we have to do is identify the root of the anger. Why am I angry? It's not just the focus on being angry because we, once you get flown, if you're like me, right? I'm one of those people, I like to think I'm pretty calm, cool, and collected. But if I get to that point, okay, the top blows off and I don't even remember what I'm saying. Like it's not rational. It, it doesn't make any sense. Um, it may not even pertain to the situation at hand. I'm just seeing red. I'm just seeing red. And it doesn't push us towards a resolution. All it does is extend the conflict which is what I don't want, and we'll talk about this a little more in a minute, which is what I personally don't want because I don't want it to be there in the first place. All that does is extend the conflict and make it carry on, and we don't want to have that in our lives. So we need to identify the root of our anger, take a step back, okay, and then come to the table. I spoke with a guy, the guy that actually cuts my hair, and uh, he, he's a really strong Christian man, and, and uh, he's talking about, he talks about how he and his wife uh, identify that they both just are like that. They'll both just blow their top and then they both say hurtful things and they don't. So they'll get the issue out and then they, they schedule like an hour pause and they separate. And we're going to go think. Like we're going to go think before we come back. We'll come back in an hour or later when we can reconvene and we'll talk about it. But we're just going to take some time apart so that we can both formulate our ideas and actually have a rational conversation rather than just yelling at each other. Okay. Which is not good for any of us. So if we take a step back, we come to the table, okay? So if we work on these two principles, putting the other person before ourselves and not sinning out of our anger, working on these two principles, I want us to focus on three things. I know this is like 12 degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever that is, but those two principles are the foundation. And with that foundation, we need to work on these three things. The first is don't shut down. Do not shut down when conflict arises. For some, the minute conflict starts, their fight or flight says flight. I'm out of here. I'm gone. Whether that is, hey, I'm going to physically get up and leave, or you can just see them shut down. And if you pay attention to people who are like this, who, whose fight or flight, when it comes to conflict with their spouse, says flight, they just shut down. You'll see them close up. You'll, you know, they stop talking. They, they, they stop listening. It's, I just, I'm going to ignore it. I don't want any part of it. I, I'm going to get out of here. And they want no part of fighting. Now, that may be a natural instinct. That may be a learned instinct. This is one of those things as spouses we need to understand. Maybe they grew up in a home where mom and dad were fighting all the time. Maybe it was really, really bad. Okay, so conflict for them is just brings back all these unhappy memories and it just floods them with anxiety. I just remember how bad it was growing up and I just don't want to be any part of that and, and I, don't, I don't want that to be around and so I, I'm going to get away from it. I'm going to go. Sometimes even people who are, who are there for conflict, who will fight, whose fight or flight says fight, they'll shut down too when they feel like, hey, this isn't getting me anywhere. This isn't getting me anywhere. They're only seeing this from their side of the perspective. They're not putting me first, okay? They're not trying to see things from my side of things. They, they don't even care. They just want to be right. They're just yelling. And so I don't even know why I'm trying to have this conversation or why we're in this conflict because it's getting me nowhere and they'll shut down as well. But we have to avoid that at all costs. 
And one of the biggest things that pastors and, and, and psychologists and counselors hear uh, around the uh, dissolution of marriage is that, hey, we fight all the time. Why, why are you guys struggling so much? Why are you wanting to get a divorce? Why are you wanting to have, we just, we fight all the time. It seems like we're always yelling. We're not happy. It would just be better for us to be apart. I don't, I don't even know why we're here. See, that statement only becomes true. Listen to this. That statement only becomes true when our fighting gets us nowhere. That statement only becomes true when our fighting gets us nowhere. Are you guys ready for a revelation? This is revelation time. This, this week for me, and I, maybe I'm the only one, maybe I'm just the one that fights dumb sometimes and doesn't really have a great understanding on how to be in a marriage relationship, but this revelation kind of hit me hard this week. You aren't unhappy because you have conflict in your marriage. That's not why you're unhappy. You're not unhappy because you have conflict. You're unhappy because you have unresolved conflict, and it mounts, okay, and it builds, it has nothing to do with the fact that you have conflict in your marriage. The difference between a marriage that lasts one year and a marriage that lasts 70 years is not, hey, we have conflict and they didn't. It's when we had conflict, we weren't able to communicate and get anywhere and we were able to communicate and get somewhere. It's not conflict that causes divorce. It's not conflict that causes separation. It's unresolved conflict. It's our inability to have that conflict and move on past it, to grow from it, to learn from it, to unite against it. That's what causes the major issues. Fighting is okay. If you need to hear somebody tell you that, I'll tell you that. Fighting is okay. You're going to fight. If you're married and you're passionate and you love your spouse, you are going to fight. That's how that equation ends. There's no other way around it. You will fight. But it's not what leads to divorce. It's not what leads to separation. It's not what even leads to bitterness. What leads to all of that is emotional shutdown. Emotional shutdown. We have all this unresolved conflict. We're getting nowhere, and I just can't do it anymore, and we just shut down. And as the church, we have not helped you as married people out, and this is Big C Church, because we focus so much on the legal binding aspect of marriage. And we turn marriage into this legalistic thing that it's never supposed to be. As long as you legally are still married, then everything's okay. And that is garbage with a capital G and the rest of the letters too, but I'm not going to spell it because I don't know how to spell it right. Okay. <laughs> but that is absolute garbage. God does not want you to just survive your marriage. We talked about that in week one. And it's not just about holding on to that legal contract that we both signed saying, well, legally, we're still there. At the end of the day, we found ourselves still at the same place. Now, we've spent the last 30 years in separate bedrooms and in separate living rooms and with separate hobbies, and we don't talk. And the only time I talk to my wife is to say, where's my breakfast? And uh, the only time she talks to me is to tell me wherever you can find it, you big idiot, right? And so... It, that, that's not what we want at all. That's not what God wants out of marriage. Think about how Jesus treated legalism, okay? Think about how Jesus treated legalism in his time on earth. It wasn't just about following the rules. It wasn't just about doing the things that you were supposed to do as a follower of God. It was about the heart. It was about what was behind your desire to do those things, okay? We have to love our spouses through conflict. 
We have to be able to move on past that. We have to fight against emotional divorce in the church. It's not just about keeping that legal document intact. It's about having that emotional relationship stay where it's supposed to be. Because again, we are a representation of Christ in the church, of Christ in the church. And at no point is Christ just like, well, as long as you're doing the right stuff, okay? As long as you're going to church and tithing and praying and doing all the things that we check off our list that we feel like we have to do. As long as you're doing those things, we're okay. Christ doesn't want you to follow rules. He wants you to follow him. He wants your heart, okay? He wants your heart to be in that. And the minute that our heart leaves our marriage, that is when we are in deep trouble. That's the minute that we're in deep trouble. We have to ensure that as the church, as people, we're fighting the right thing. It's not fighting for a piece of paper. It's fighting for the person across the table. It's fighting for the love that we came together over. That is what we're fighting for. That's why we're holding on. What ends up killing marriages is the disappointment of not getting what you thought you were going to get out of it. That's what ends up killing marriages. I thought I was getting this one thing, and I didn't get any of that. And we fought all the time, and we could never come to any type of resolution, and I just didn't think this is how it was going to be. And then we give up hope, and we emotionally disconnect, and we could care less what happens to the other person. And as Christians, that should never be our mindset about anyone, least of all our spouse, least of all our spouse, okay? We need to understand the fundamental difference between us and our spouses. And there, there are some fundamental base level differences that psychologists talk about that we're going to discuss here, okay? I'm saying okay a lot. I know that. Uh, as one relationship expert stated, there are two types of people when it comes to conflict. Two types, ready? And we all fall into one of these two types. There's the turtle. The first type of person is the turtle. This person goes inside their shell. Uh, they're quiet. They don't talk. They want to conserve energy. They're just going to, mm, don't talk to me. If I just go in here, you won't see me. If I just go in here, you'll leave me alone. If I just go in here, we'll get past it, right? That's the turtle. How many of you are turtles? I'm a turtle. I am a turtle, okay? We start to fight, and I'm like, whoop, get as skinny as you've ever seen me in my life. I try to disappear, camouflage myself, put on some makeup. Maybe I can blend in with the couch, right? I do this thing that drives Jerrica nuts. I, I pick that time in the middle of conflict to get up and be like, you know what? I think this part of the house needs clean. And I don't do it on purpose. It's a completely subconscious thing, really. It's just me wanting to get away from conflict that I'll be like, I think I'll go grab a broom. And she's like, where is this all the other time? I'm trying to talk to you, and now you think it's the time to clean. You want to put away the laundry now. You want to take the trash out now. And I'm like, I, I was trying to help. I was just trying to help. And she's, no, you're not, you're not listening to me, right? That's the type of things that a turtle does. Now, the second type of person is a hailstorm. The second type of person is a hailstorm. This person is loud. This person has to get it all out. This person wants it all out on the table. You know how many, the rest of y'all are hailstorms because you didn't raise your hand for turtles, okay? Or some of you just don't want to raise your hands. But you're one or the other, okay? You are one or the other. And the hailstorm just got to get it out. Okay, we're going to start a conflict. Well, let me tell you about my list. Here's my list. Here's all the things that we need to resolve. We're going to get it all out there. We're going to talk and we're going to talk and we're going to talk and we're going to talk. And the turtle's like... If I could just put wheels on the bottom of my shell, I would roll away, right? I would get out of here. 
I will get out of here. There's this issue. Let's just get it all out. Right? That's the hellstorm. And hey, the hellstorm needs to process things. They want to process things. And most of the time they want to process things out loud to you. And they want you to listen to them process things. I'm going to work my way through this argument and how I feel while you are listening. And if I don't have eye contact, hellstorm. Right? It's coming. It's coming. Here's the interesting thing. This is what I find fascinating. You ready for this? Psychologists say a turtle almost always marries a hailstorm. And a hailstorm almost always marries a turtle. Very rarely do you have turtle and turtle. Okay? Y'all will get no. You just sit in your living room all day long and get nowhere. You wouldn't be a, a darn thing. Hailstorm almost never marries a hailstorm. You would not have a house left. Okay? That would, that would not be possible. You'd have no roof. You'd have no dishes. You'd have no anything. It would just be destruction. So we almost always marry our opposite. Now, the leading experts in relationships talk about how we do this subconsciously. We marry our opposite subconsciously because we want to learn something from them. We see qualities in them. We see qualities in them. This is, some of your faces are hysterical right now. We see qualities in them that we want to learn from, right? We, as the hailstorm, want to learn how to chill out a little bit from the turtle. We, as the turtle, want to learn how to communicate and hailstorm a little bit. So we need to learn those two things, right? We need to learn those two things. Turtles need to learn that it's okay to storm occasionally, right? It's okay for you to talk to your spouse. It's okay for you to even be expressive when you're talking, okay? That communication needs to happen. We need to learn that from our hailstorm. Hailstorms, and I can just really level because Jerrica's not here today, and she probably won't listen to this because she doesn't like my sermons or me very much. I'm kidding. But, but, hailstorms, y'all need to learn just to chill out, okay? Now, if I say the words in conflict to Jerrica, chill out, I'm going to have to start ducking, okay? I don't know what's going to get thrown at me, but something will because chill out is like a trigger word for her to bring more hail, Okay, to bring more hail. But hailstorms need to learn that sometimes it's okay to just chill. It's okay to just breathe. It's okay to take a step back. It's okay to not just let everything out all at once. Maybe focus on one idea and then we can move to the next. Right? We we just we've gotta look at things from the other perspective. And here's the thing: we have different approaches. And what's the theme of our, our series really the whole time? It's not wrong, it's just different. It's not wrong, it's just different. Your spouse is not wrong for being a hailstorm. Your spouse is not wrong for being a turtle. They just approach things differently. It's fundamental, it's within them. They don't really have a control of that. They just look at life, conflict, all things a little bit differently than you do. So if we can wrap our head around, hey, this is how my spouse sees things, this is kind of where their natural inclination takes them, then we can each do a couple things to help each other out. Hailstorms can chill out, okay? Hellstorms can calm down a little bit. And hey, turtles, come out of your shell. Don't just go straight into the shell and shut down and not talk. And we have to fight those natural instincts within us so that we can actually get somewhere, okay? The other thing that I find really interesting that psychologists talk about is how we kind of have a lower brain and an upper brain. The lower brain, this one that I was kind of studying and looking at, he refers to that as the alligator. The lower brain is the alligator, where the upper brain is the owl, right? The alligator is ready to snap at any second. Now, this applies to all of us. We all have this alligator. We all have this owl. Now, the alligator is ready to snap at any second. The alligator is what, like, helps us when we touch a hot stove. Oh, it's hot. 
the alligator snaps back, right? But sometimes we take that over to into conflict, and the minute conflict arises, the alligator's like, bam, I cannot wait to get you, right? And they fire out of the water, and they snap down, and they do the death roll thing, and then Steve Irwin's there with the camera, like, watching your conflict, and that Steve Irwin is usually your kids going, uh-oh, right? And that's just how it is. That, that's just how that is. And we all get there. Even sometimes those turtles who like to shut down can still have the alligator ready to work. So eventually if you push the turtle too hard and you're like trying to grab their head and pull it out of the shell, they are going to snap at you. Okay, here comes the alligator. That's the, that's the part of our brain that doesn't really think about how we're reacting, doesn't really think about how we're going to make the other person feel. It's just getting that emotion out. Whatever damage it brings, we don't really care. We're just ready to snap. We're just ready to snap. The owl is that part of us that comes back into the room two minutes after the alligator just snapped and says, babe, I'm sorry. I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I said that. I don't even feel that way. It didn't make any sense. I just wanted to hurt your feelings. I just wanted to win. That was wrong of me. That's what the owl does because the owl is able to take a logical look at the big picture and realize, hey, in the scheme of things, this isn't that big of a deal. Yeah, it's something we need to address. Yeah, it's something we need to have a resolution about, something we need to you know, come up with a way to try not to let happen every single day. But we have those two things that are constantly in conflict. I found that to be really, really interesting. We need to see these differences and we need to respect them. Again, it's not wrong. It's just different. It's not wrong. It's just different. Because only when we see those differences can we start to let those differences influence the way we think on the other side of it and actually move us into a place where we're better communicators, where we're not just responding like a turtle to the hailstorm and we're not just responding like a hailstorm to the turtle. Okay, again, Philippians 2, 3 through 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. One more thing I wanted to say, because I do this as a turtle, right? Turtles, we often include, uh, accuse hailstorms of, of wanting us to read their minds, right? Ever, anybody ever been there? Yeah, I see faces. As turtles, we often want to tell a hailstorm, you expect us to read your mind. You're mad, you're yelling, you're hailstorming at me, but I never knew any of this because you didn't tell me. Yet the funny thing is that if you actually took, take a look in the mirror, us as turtles are the ones who really expect our partner to read our minds because we're the ones that shut down. We're the ones that go into the shell. We're the ones that aren't coming to the table to communicate. And so really the shoe's on the other foot. We are, are expecting the same thing that we accuse them of, of wanting to do to us. You, you make me read your mind, but really we're, we're making them read our minds, okay? And that is something we can't do. Now, when we put our spouse's interests before our own, then we can love them how they need to be loved. I look, when I look at this, I think Gary Chapman's five love languages are really uh, powerful here. And I don't know if, I, I'm not intelligent enough to tell you that if it's all inclusive and that everybody fits into one of these five. And, and this is a conversation. I'm challenging you to go home today and have a conversation with your spouse about how they feel. Because a lot of us never even ask our spouse, you know, what, they think of when they think of love. But Gary Chapman basically says, hey, love boils down to five things for people. The first is words of affirmation. They just want to know that they're loved. They want to hear you tell them that they're loved. They want you to build them up, that you're proud of them, that you're this, that you're that, 
right? The other is acts of service, cleaning the house, washing the car, uh, watching the kids so they can go have a girl's day or a spa day or, or whatever it is, just serving one another. They, they, like nothing will make them love you more than you doing something for them. There's a third group of people that love to receive gifts. Like, hey, I don't care about any of the rest of the stuff, but if you buy me something, I know that you love me. Okay, and it doesn't have to be expensive. Like you could have just gotten me a soda from, from, from McDonald's and I love that. Hey, thanks for thinking of me and stopping and getting a dollar soda. It changed my whole day, right? Some people like quality time. Quality time. I, I want to be around you. I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. I want it to just be me and you or even if it's me, you and the kids. I, I just want us to be together. Some people like physical touch. Hold my hand. Give me a kiss. Give me a hug, you know? Husbands take that too far and do things we shouldn't, you know, it's like, hey, I'm trying to make dinner, and we're like, and your wife is like, I'm going to kill you with this frying pan that I'm cooking dinner in, right? And, and every wife is laughing because every husband does it. I, we, it's one of those things that's probably natural in our, I'm trying to blame something, but, you know, I, there's a reason we're all like that. So I'm going to use Jerrica and I quickly as an example because it's the only example that I have, right? Jerrica is an acts of service and quality time person, okay? I can tell her I love her all day. I can hold her hand, which she doesn't dislike. I can try to give her a kiss here and there, and she doesn't dislike that either, okay? But if, I, if I'm cleaning the house or I'm doing the dishes or I'm picking up the girls, I'm giving the girls a bath, I'm doing something along those lines, like, she glows, that's when she knows that she's loved. When it, she, she would kill one of you for quality time with me, which I don't understand because it's me, right? But she wants quality time. And when I say quality time, I don't just mean time where we're together. She wants the phone down and the TV off and engaged in conversation. And, and, and she wants to, for us to just be united, right? That is how she feels love. Here's the thing. I am terrible at it. Like really, really, really bad. Okay, the acts of service thing I kind of get. The acts of service thing I kind of get, but the quality time, like quality time for me is anytime we're in the same zip code. Hey, we're here. Like we're in the same house. We're sitting across. Like I'm folding laundry and you're dealing with Winifred yelling at you. And like that to me, hey, that's quality time. We were together. What, what do you mean we didn't have quality time? We were with each other all day long. Okay, I'm really bad at it. So I have to work on that. Now, I'm a gifts person. And I'm really good at giving gifts. Like when it comes to Christmas time, I remember stuff that Jerrica said from February that she kind of wanted and I get it for her. Now, some of you are like, hey, that's really awesome. But for her, it doesn't mean much. For me, it means a lot because that's how I love, right? That's how I like to be loved. So that's what I'm good. I'm good at loving people like that. I can buy you gifts. You mentioned this one time on February 12th at 2.34 p.m. that you kind of wanted a spatula that had a hole in the center. I found it, right? Like, Weird stuff, stuff that she's like, well, it's cool, but thanks, but didn't change much of my day, right? And I'm like, oh, right? Because that's how I want to be loved. Now, she did that thing on the other foot. I would try to do a cartwheel, probably break both wrists in the going, but like, I am just happy. I'm happy. The problem is as spouses that we so often try to love our spouse how we like to be loved. I'm good at giving gifts, so I'll give lifts. I like words of affirmation, so I'm, I'm going to give words of affirmation. I like physical touch, so I'm going to physical touch. I like quality time, so I'm going to try to force quality time on them. This is my gift to you. You're going to stay all day with me, one-on-one, -on -one, right? And they're like, oh, I don't want that, right? Even if they love you, they don't want that. 
We have to practice and fight against our instinct to, to love our spouses how we like personally to be loved. Okay? We need to love them how they need to be loved, which is where your challenge comes in today. At some point today, you need to talk to your spouse. You need to talk to your loved one. Figure out how is it that you like to be loved if you don't know. If you're observant and you pay attention, you probably have an idea, right? But just be sure. Have that conversation. What do you, what do you need from me as far as love goes? Do you want more physical touch? Do you want more hugs? Do you want me to hold your hand more? Do you, want, you, know, do you need me to do more acts of service? Whatever it is, have that conversation, Okay, with them to figure out exactly what it is that they need so that you can love them in that way. In the end, in the end, this is back to the whole kind of conflict and fighting thing. We fight more when we want to be right more. Okay, and sometimes when we love our spouse how we like to be loved, it causes conflict because we're not seeing them for what it is that they need. But we fight more when we want to be right more, when we want our way of loving to be the way that they feel loved. And, and, and when we do that, we fight more because we want to be right more and not like Christ more. I know that was like a lot of alliteration and rhyming, and I didn't necessarily intend for that to be. But when we want to be right more than we want to be like Christ, that's when conflict really arises. Last thing, last thing. We can never get anywhere with conflict if we cannot forgive past conflict, if we cannot forgive past words, if we cannot show grace to our partner. Christ forgave us. Sinners, broken, dirty, not clean, not holy, he forgave us. He died for us. Again, remember, we're the representation of Christ in the church. Well, Christ gave himself up for the church. He gave everything he had for the church. We need to give everything we have for our spouses. They need to be number one. Because at the end, you are two unperfect people, okay? You're two unperfect people trying to love one another perfectly, and that's just a recipe for disaster at times. But in the end, if we can learn to do these things well, to, co to communicate well and have conflict well, to fight good, then we find extreme benefit. In the end, show grace to your husband, Show grace to your wife, okay? Love one another. Love one another. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. Lord, we just ask that you help us to be people who put our spouse first, who, who work on those two principles that say, I'm not gonna work from a vain standpoint, uh, from selfishness, from, from my desire to be right, but I'm gonna look at things from my, my spouse's perspective from the person that I love point of view, and, and, and I'm going to uh, try to adjust and see things their way and, and come to common ground. And, and God, when I get angry, I'm going to be angry, and maybe I deserve to be angry, but, but I'm not going to sin and lash out in that anger. And God, help us to, to just not be people who shut down Help us to understand the differences in our spouse, whether they're the hellstorm or the turtle, and, 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 and how that makes them work throughout conflict. Help us to understand how our own brains work. God, convict us to, to learn about ourselves and to learn about our loved ones so that we can have the best possible marriage uh, that, that we could ever dream of having. Because when we can learn how to do these things, when we learn how one another ticks and, and we can put each other first and we can love our spouse like Christ loved the church, then God, we are doing marriage the right way. 
We may never have the perfect, air quote, marriage. But I think sometimes we are looking for a perfect marriage that doesn't exist when what we have is as, as perfect as you want it to be. Because when we have passion and when we have our own minds and our own thoughts, God, we are going to disagree and conflict will arise. But help us in those times to hold on to the love that we have for one another, to look at each other with eyes of grace and, and to put our spouse first in these situations so that we are growing so that we are growing and that we are moving forward and that we prevent ourselves from becoming stagnant and, and, and f- becoming emotionally just cut off from the person that we're supposed to love the most. God, we ask all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.